With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Angeles, California. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your host, Shaw McCain. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Shaw McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show is created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow the Paranormal and Sacred on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world. We're translating to many different languages for listeners outside the country. Anyway, the call-in number tonight is 619-924-9744, and the Paranormal and the Sacred airs every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, during the show, uh, I can take your questions in order in chat, or you may call in with your questions and speak with our special guest tonight. Reminder that any buzz killers in chat or on the phone will be kicked out, and I will call you back and bug you, so don't bug me, and I won't bug you, so play nice, be polite, and make this a comfortable place to visit. And we're having a six-book raffle tonight, and uh, I'm so excited about it. And I'm going to tell you when we're going to do that, we're going to, we're going to inter- disperse this throughout the show, and you have to have a call-in number, and uh, don't be putting any blocks on or anything so I can get your name and number and get the correct answer to the question. And I'll be asking them, and let's see. I'm going to give you a few announcements before we get Edwin Becker on. Um, I must tell you that Marilyn Salas creation, Love's Blessing, is is just smells wonderful. I got my beautiful little kit in the mail and I've been using it for weeks and uh Love's Blessing is a meditation and healing mist and she has like twenty six different essential oils and it comes with a blessing and everything with it and you can contact Marilyn Salas at www.lovesblessing.com. I love that lady. Anyway, she's out in Ohio. And she's a wonderful person, of course. You may know her husband, Captain Robert Salas. And uh, Leslie Sloan is trying to let everybody know that she's taking 15% off of all her readings. And this uh, offer expires November 15th. And she'll be doing 15, 30, or 60-minute readings. And she said, give yourself a gift. And uh, you're welcome to call her at 818-348-4646, com. And those of you in the know uh, know Ciro International and Yvonne Smith. She's a licensed hypnotherapist and regressionist, and she deals with alien abductees and P 
people suffering post-traumatic stress disorder and things like that. Uh, her new book, Coronado Haunting, is now available on Amazon and CreateSpace. And also, if you're interested in anything alien-related, you can go ahead and go over to www.cerointernational.com. And a couple of plugs for my cousins. You know, I have Texas cousins. Anyway, Chris and Tracy Simpson have Texas ghost tours, and it's Halloween, so it's the best time to get out there. And uh, adults, uh, I guess the price varies, but generally it's around 20 bucks. Uh, kids 12 to 6 is uh, $12, and kids 5 and under are free, and they're walking tours, and they go around Galveston and stuff like that. Anyway, you can get a hold of Tracy at 713-562-0429 and Chris Simpson at 409-771-8901. Or you can go to Texas Ghost Tours at yahoo.com, and they do have a website, www.texas-ghost-tours.com. Anyway, I am going to introduce the young man tonight. It's a very awesome man, and he's a friend of mine. Our special guest is Edwin Becker, author of Two Haunting, One and Two, among other books. And this is our special three-year anniversary show, and we're going to give away three copies of the signed editions of his book. And you have to make a choice when you win the prize, whether it be Two Haunting, One or Two. And uh, we're very happy to be doing that. And uh, anyway, and we have three other books, too, and that's UFO-related and things like that. So anyway... Uh, Edwin Becker had the distinction of owning a haunted building in Chicago that became the subject of the first televised paranormal event in 1970 by NBC. Before The Exorcist or Amityville, there was true haunting. He never sought recognition until his daughter published his recollection in 2011. The book, True Haunting, became an instant bestseller, holding number one on Amazon in the U.S. and for a year in parapsychology and for six months in the United Kingdom. I love those people. Breaking his, publish, breaking his publisher's ebook record and topping their sales of the 96,000 book catalog. He appeared on Sci Fi's Paranormal Witness in the season two record breaking finale, The Tenants. I saw that, and you can still see it, and it's, it's quite amazing. Though he does not look due, many, he's only done one book signing, and he's going to sign the books for us tonight, or, and not many public appearances either. But he's done radio for CBS, Fox, WGN, and NBC plus a multitude of internet programs as guest co-host and host. He has two daughters, four granddaughters, and continues to write, and recently releasing True Haunting 2 that has blown up the charts, and it's zoomed to, um, anyway, the stratosphere, and we're so happy to have him on. And uh, so let me get him on here, because I can keep talking about him, talk about him, but let him talk about himself. Hi, Ed, you're live with the Paranormal and Sacred. Happy, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Can you believe I haven't missed a Friday in three years? I find that amazing because, uh, as you likely know, uh, Marsha had a show, Paranormal Angels, and I produced that show. And uh, people in the background will never realize how much work goes into a a radio show in preparation and the notes and the research, uh, possibly reading a book real quickly to know your guests better. And uh, we sort of gave up. We didn't even make it to a year. So uh, three years without a miss is amazing. It's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you so much. You know, I'm a very stubborn person. (laughs) Stubbornness. (laughs) You have to be. You have to be. (laughs) I have tenacity that's bizarre. But 
Um, now, you mentioned Marsha. Um, how, how is Marsha? Where's Waldo? Yeah. Well, that's about it. I, uh, I, I don't really know. Uh, as most people, some people know a little more than others. Uh, but what started as a prank now has, uh, I haven't heard from her in 21 days. Uh, I'm worried because she has uh, congestive heart failure. And she's our, her monitor is here in the house. And uh, the monitors are so important because what they do is they, uh, they read your pacemaker. And if your heart is threatened in any way or, or your beat becomes erratic in any way, in her case, she suffers from a rapid heartbeat. Uh, so where mine normally beats at 60 beats per minute, uh, but it beats kind of a calypso beat. Hers is very even, but it beats between 90 and 145, 148. It's very fast, which means that she can suffer uh, tachycardia. Now, she never has, so therefore, you know, ignorance is kind of bliss because when you've never had a heart attack or suffered VTAC, uh, you just think that it can't happen to you. Uh, but it happens. The last time I had one was a year ago, November 4th, and my heart went from 60 to 242 beats a minute in a in a single heartbeat. No escalation, yeah. no nothing. So mine went off, and it shocked me a couple times. And uh, So she's out there flying without a, a net, and uh, I, I'm frightened. I'm worried. Uh, that, that's about it. Okay. Well, you know, all of us that love you guys keep you in, in our prayers and her too. And uh, how are you doing with all of this? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, I, I have never lived alone. So uh, before I met Marsha, I traveled for about four years. I went from living at home with my mom and, and my little brother and sister, and then, and then I went to, to band life, road, road life. So I uh, traveled with musicians for about four years, and that was just a ball. You know, every minute was occupied with something, either music or trickery. And uh, then I met Marsha, and I've never been alone. So uh, now I'm alone, and I, uh, you know, my dog and my cat. My dog doesn't talk back. The cat do actually does talk back. Uh, ca cats are just amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of things are kind of messed up. Because uh, you know, guys, men are kind of pigs in, in general, uh, and I'm no exception. Uh, I'm lonesome and kind of confused, uh, and I mean confused by everything. You women, you know, know how to do everything, and uh, I've got one setting on the washer and dryer, and everything is going to get washed with that setting. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Marsha bought this space age oven. Okay, it's it's got. Two ovens and five burners, and I know I can work the burners, all right. But I have no idea how the hell the ovens work, and uh, so, so I'm just using the microwave for everything. Uh, it, you know, my, myself, I'm very fortunate. I mean, uh, I I'm a writer, so I, I have uh, actually I have in process probably five books of. And they're all in different places. One's in Chapter 3, one's in Chapter 8. Uh, so I can always dive into the, my fantasy worlds and write, um, which kind of occupies my time. And then I have, uh, 
I want to say thank you to some, you know, I, I, I can't even list them all, but Matt Bell, Mary Montgomery, Eileen Hall, Ann Davis, you are an angel. Uh, there's a woman named Jody Roberts who's rarely on Facebook at all, but she's local here, and she came over one night, and she made me dinner and, and made sure I was taken care of, and she let me vent. And I've had two offers of people to come and, and stay with me uh, to keep me com- one one to actually protect me, uh, because I suffered that internet threat, yeah. and uh, which didn't frighten me. Those people are, are they're cowards. They're, they're like uh, the people on Facebook that call people names. You know, they get back right. to kindergarten. If you know, I invited them. I don't know if you saw the post on my page, but I invited them to come visit me. Uh, you know, come in a car, leave in a gurney. That's my my feeling. Uh, it's the Chicago way. I did have kind of a miracle well, happen. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, and the idiot mailed a letter. He 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 put a return name on it that he borrowed from the Zodiac killer. I can't. I won't say what it is. No return address, and when uh, he must have dropped it in the mailbox. When they do that, the post office marks the origin. So I knew it came from Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, I gave it, turned it over to the police. And they took it seriously because we've recently had a woman killed here in Springfield by a person on Facebook that came down from Wisconsin. Uh, so they took it very seriously, and they, uh, they, you know, between the state and the police, I, I put in an alarm system because it was their recommendation, and uh, they took it more seriously than I did. But the police said, you know. Anybody who comes into the house uninvited, blow a hole in them. Uh, and I've got no problem doing that. So, well, that's fair you, know, you in Hartford, Connecticut, come on down. Uh, I'd be happy to meet Jeez. you. It's uh, it's uh, ridiculous uh, because uh, there's uh, they're so stupid. First of all, it's like they don't they don't have a vocabulary, and I think they're just enamored of the whole uh, situation of you being an author than being on the uh, you know, on the TV and stuff like that. I think they start. That's how they start. No, this was more related to Marsha. Uh, oh, it was. Yeah, oh, uh, and that's all I'll say about that. Uh, okay. But but uh, it, it was related to that situation, and uh, I welcome them. You know, I think they're little piss ants, and. Uh, they, they've met one of the only people on earth. I, I, see, I've died twice in my life. And dying, I, I, I'm writing a book on it now, uh, is not so bad. It, it, uh, in fact, it's euphoric. So I, I'm not afraid of dying. I haven't been since I've been 19. Uh, now, hit me in the knee with a baseball bat, and I'm going to cry like a little girl, all right? Aim a 45 yeah. at my head, and, and I won't even blink. Uh because dying is there is a there isn't another place where we go and it is it can be i've met two people in my life who described something horrific but 90% of the people i meet who've shared that situation have gone to a very very comforting place uh i said that to a person recently who uh came to visit me and we were talking him and his wife and uh we were talking about near death, and I told him I, I had died, and, and uh, 
told him how wonderful it was, my first experience. And he just looked at me, I mean, like it was a revelation. And he said, I can tell you. And I said, you can tell me what? And he said, I've never told anybody this. He said when his father was dying, his father was incapacitated, laying there and uh, gasping for his last breath. When he took his last breath, he said his father sat up, straight up, and said, oh, my God, it's wonderful. And then he died. Oh, and I told him, I said, your hear. father, your father was correct. It's a feeling that uh, is beyond anything, anything you can experience as a human. Uh, but he said, you know, thank you for telling me the story. He said, so I know my father wasn't crazy. And I said, no, he's not crazy. I said, he saw where he was going. Uh, and he was right. It's it's wonderful. But uh, I got to tell you this little story because, you know, when I was in need, I, initially uh, the first week without Marsha, I was running into walls. I didn't know where anything was. I didn't know how to work anything. Uh, and and you know, I was confused. I uh, I had been reflecting on uh, sometime before, I was reflecting on people in our lives that have altered our path significantly. And I have two or three people in my life that have altered my path significantly. And I wish to God I, I could. I was wishing to God that I could thank them. All three of them. One I know has passed away. The other two I could not find. Well, the first one was a person who taught me guitar. Only because I was a real city street punk. I won't tell you the stuff I did. Uh, but when Marsha initially met my friends of that level because I had musician friends and I had other friends. They scared the hell out of her because they made the Sopranos look like cartoons, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but I was a punk and I decided, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become a musician. And it was simply out of uh, economics, the need for money. I needed to contribute to my mom. My father had died. And if you were 16 or under, they could pay you child's wages, which was half of minimum wage. So I could work all week and come home with $18, you know. So I uh, found out who the best two guitar players were in the neighborhood, and two names came up. One of them was Terry Kath. He wound up founding Chicago, and he uh, unfortunately committed suicide in the early 80s. Uh, the other was a fellow named Denny Browder. And Denny never wanted to actually be a performer, per se. Uh, he did background music and, and more toward the Nashville side. But he took me in. I don't know why he taught me guitar, because I just knocked on his door, and, and uh, he did. And then what happened was one night his bass player didn't show up. For, they had a, a gig every month at this hall to play rock and roll for a couple hours. And he handed me a bass and said, play. And after that, I just took off with my career. Uh, he, he he moved, and I went on, and... Uh, well, he altered my life because that life took me into music. It uh, taught me to, to be able to speak in front of an audience, taught me to negotiate with agents, club owners, hardened me up a little bit at a young age, uh, caused me to meet Marsha. Uh, I went back to school, and it, and it set me on a path. And I said, boy, if I could meet this guy today, I'd thank him so much. Well, guess who friends me on Facebook maybe about four months ago? 
Who? Denny Browder. Wow. I couldn't believe it. It was him. So I contacted him, and then we, we traded some photos, and then I, uh, I wrote him a, a heartfelt letter. And uh, today he knows how the situation I'm in. And he said to me, uh, you know, you're a writer. And I said, yeah. And he said, he's got a catalog of music, and he's done some things for Nashville. And he said, uh, I can't write a lyric, you know, worth a damn. He said, can I send you these recordings and see if you can put words to them? I told him, no problem. I said, yeah, you know, because awesome. I, I have written music and I have um, music is my muse. Um, so he's going to send me these songs. This this fellow that I knew that started me out over 50 years ago uh, is now sending me some music that I'm going to put uh, lyrics to. And But I warned him. What a gift. the first... <laughs> The first, the first one I write, I'm gonna listen for one, where I can start it out by with this, with the lyric, "Where the hell is my wife?" Uh, <laughs> That's very you know, Where the hell is my wife? <laughs> <laughs> Who just ruined my life? You know. <laughs> yes. But uh, I'm, I think that's happened to a few of us. But that I think that'd be very therapeutic. Oh, yeah, writing and music is very therapeutic. I uh, it is. I can get lost in it, and uh, and I love it. Uh, like I said, I've got five books I'm writing right now, all at one, all at one time. Amazing. Depending upon what my mood is, yeah. and uh, people think I'm prolific because I'll likely finish them all within about a, when I decide to finish them. They'll all be done in three months or four months because they're all partially done. And then I'll publish them all at once. So, you know, a lot of people are going to say, how the hell does he do five books, you know? No, I've been doing the five books over the last two and a half years. So you're, breaking up, you're breaking up a little bit, Ed. You're, you're breaking it, it, up. I, I've been working on these books for years. So uh, okay. I'm, not, I'm not as prolific as people think. Okay. Am um, I okay? Now you're also yeah. You just were breaking up a little bit, so uh, yeah. It was just getting kind of um, I don't know what you call it, like wobbly sound. Um, okay. So anyway, and then you've also I've watched every single one of them. I don't know if you've done one this week, but you're doing webisodes on YouTube. They're like uh, little uh, educational seminars. Yeah, some of them are, uh, are, are, I guess, better than others or more exciting than others because one of them has a thousand hits. And, and uh, but I, you know, I I tell people what I feel and what my experience is, and, and I I separate it from the BS that you hear in in the real world. Like we did a presentation recently uh, with uh, uh, nameless people, but. Uh, Involved in demonology, and uh, I actually wanted to hear what I was going to be in front of, just uh, lending my name to, and I didn't get to. We didn't get to rehearse or to, to do whatever, so it was kind of cold. And I have no problem talking to an audience cold. And Marcia was amazing. I mean, she, uh, she. I was used to it. I've been t- doing presentations in theater and around, and I've played before thousands of people, so I'm used to an audience. She is not, and uh, she was cool as a cucumber. And, of course, I can start a sentence, she can finish it, she can start a sentence, I can finish it. So 
but when the the other presentation came on, it was relative to demonology. And uh, I just thought they were trying to scare the hell out of everybody. And I didn't agree with that. I mean, if you listen to my webisode, uh, you'll see I haven't done the one on demons yet. In fact, I did one on demons, but the director had two cameras, and I kept looking at the wrong camera, and he kept using, he used the wrong shots. So it looks like I'm talking to someone on the side of me. So we're going to have to redo the whole thing. But demons, you know, this person was doing a presentation, and he had, you know, if you have stomach acid, that's demonic. If you have hemorrhoids, that's demonic. He started listing physical maladies as being demonic. And I don't go with that at all, okay? Uh, We don't need demons as human beings. We can get them, and they can they can come for us if we want to summon them. But as human beings, we're creatures of excess. You know, you give a little child some, a bowl of candy, and they're going to eat until they explode. Uh, that's who we are. We want that extra piece of pizza. We want that extra drink. We want bigger and better all the time. Uh, that's not demonic. That's what we have to learn to discipline in our lives. And uh, so interpreting, you know, oh, you've got headaches all the time, that's demonic. That's BS is what it is. Uh, so I, in the end, we had a Q&A and I kind of challenged them because they said, well, you can't, you, you, you can't uh, say the name of a demon. And, you know, I thought it wasn't an argument. I thought it more like it should have been interpreted as point counterpoint, let's say. Okay. So I said I, I disagree, and they said uh, well, I said what about the Bible, and they said well you're supposed to not read the names or not say them, and I said does it say that at the beginning? No, you know, and I said let me tell you something. I said I'll tell you something. Leonard Nimoy, Leonard Skinner, Jackie Leonard, all these people that you know that are that are named Leonard. Okay. Leonard is the name of a of a very high ranking demon in the eight hundred history of demons. So you know, are you telling me that when Leonard Nimoy's ma yelled out the door, "Hey, Leonard, a demon came in for dinner," uh, you, you know, demons d- demons are like uh, you know they're as hard to summon as angels. I mean, if you think you can summon a demon, then then you know you can possibly summon an angel. Uh, you know, say Michael is not sitting up there waiting for you to call uh, and isn't going to come down, you know, like you're calling a cab, uh, and neither will a demon. Uh, you have to put yourself in that frame of mind. It's much like a Ouija board. You know, if every Ouija board brought in bad spirits, holy shit, we'd be in trouble. Uh, you got to put yourself in that frame of mind, and you have to be able to tear through that fabric, uh, which can be very, very dangerous. Uh, but no, you can say the name of demons and, uh, no lightning is going to strike you and they're not waiting for you to say it and, you know, with bated breath, uh, and no, you know, if you have an upset stomach, it's not demonic, uh, you know, <laughs> but that was the thing. And I, you know, it was, uh, scare the hell out of everybody and then buy my book to figure out, uh, what you should do. And, uh, I didn't like that. Uh, so I, I took exception to it and, uh. 
that was, in well, fact, that people, was the only, I'm sorry. No, I was just thinking when people do that, to me, I feel like it's an, it's an immediate shutdown. Like they're just trying to shut, shut me up, shut me down or threaten me so they feel comfortable. You know, that's what, it, that's why, that's what I take it as when they start threatening you with a demon thing. Yeah, it, it, uh. You know, ex. I've no, I've no, I've known one exorcist intimately, and I know another exorcist that uh, Archbishop Ron Fail, and uh, and I have the Catholic book that I've studied of, of the ex- right of exorcism, so I know exorcism fairly well, and and Catholics do kind of have the franchise because they wrote the first one, and Jesus Christ did. In the Bible, I mean, if you read it, he was kicking butt all the way through the Bible as far as exercising demons and devils, and uh, any any anointed his apostles and disciples to do the same. But a, a true possession is very rare. It's very rare, and it's violent, or it can be violent. I mean, so that the Catholics in their rite of exorcism, I don't know what the modern book says, but in the original older texts, it recommended priests who do exorcisms are of a more mature age. Now, there was a reason for that, not because they're being smarter because they're older. It was because at least they've lived a good portion of their life because you could lose your life in an exorcism. So, you know, when I read on Facebook and I, I, I hear somebody, you know, who says, I, you know, exercise three people today, exercise three demons and that, it's like they're playing Dungeons and Dragons in their head or something. Uh, no, you didn't. An exorcism can take uh, days. You know, an exorcist typically prepares with prayer for three days or so. And, yeah. and, and instead of instead of fasting, they'll actually build up their strength. So they're going to eat, and it's like they're preparing for a wrestling match. Uh, and I, I don't believe in the, the scare tactic. It, it's throughout the paranormal. It's throughout the paranormal. Yeah, I don't and, appreciate uh, it. I, I I wrote a uh, a blog, and I uh, said something on another radio show, and I've had a few investigators contact me and say, you know, you're right. Uh the thing that burns me at my age, and, and you know, I was involved with it starting at 24, um, is we don't know any more than we did then. Everybody's expanding on the imagery and on the horror and everything else, but as far as paranormal itself, what do we know today that we didn't know then? Not a damn thing. And you have 3,000 sets of investigators just in the United States alone. And they're all, some of them, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but some of the questions they ask on their EVPs are just silly. I mean, because as a radio host, Shire, if you had a guest, and let's say that guest was a ghost, Hmm. and you knew you were going to get to interview a ghost, you would want to know, number one, where are you? Number two, how did you get there? Is it dark? Is it light? Is it warm? Is it cold? Are there others? Are you bound to that location? And what I suggested to investigators, uh, actually they published a blog in the U.K. 
is that somebody, I'm too old to do it, or I would do it, has to create a standard, a, a, a template of 20 questions, 40 questions, whatever. They all have to be in sequence, and they should, and the investigator should always ask those questions in that sequence and then submit them so that they can be compared and analyzed. So that if, you know, if you've got 1,000 of them from 3,000 investigators and every ghost says it's cold, we now know that that dimension is cold. If every ghost says that they can communicate with others, other spirits, then we know that they're capable of, of inner spirit communication. We would at least start taking steps to understand what that dimension is about. Instead of, you know, who are you? What's your name? Who am I? Can you see me? Uh, yeah, they can see you. That's why they're interacting with you, you know. Uh, so I would like to see paranormal progress. And uh, it's a battle with true paranormal experts. They've, they've got a disadvantage, the, the good investigators, and, and uh, because typically the better their evidence, the more it's going to be debunked. Because people expect paranormal to be scary. If I took a picture of a a spirit that was able to materialize, it would be ordinary. Now, it might not be ordinary. Maybe if they died in an accident and they were still maimed, maybe it would be that way. But the spirit I saw was ordinary. And it, it would have been, you know, that's a picture of an old lady. So what? Uh but see, all the media, whether it's TV, books, I'll, I'll tell you what happened. What uh, God, after eight books, I went with a new publisher. And yeah. a, a number of people have said, why the hell did you go with a new publisher after eight books? Well, I submitted my manuscript. Marcia and I finished it in April. And I submitted it. And uh, I'd done the dance so many times, I kind of knew when, I didn't ask any questions. I knew I was supposed to get a proof copy. The proof copy never came. So I figured, what the hell? Uh, I called them and I said, where's my proof copy? And they said their editing department has some questions and some and some suggestions, which was, that was a whole new thing. And I, I, I said, okay. Well, they said they want me to delete some stuff, change some stuff. And uh, I said, no, this is self-publishing. Yes. And they said, no, we were bought out by Random House Penguin. And we're now running according to their filters. So now it's being filtered. Well, that's the reason I ran from traditional publishers anyway, is because they're not, you know, it's like a dog. You feed a dog filet mignon and then watch what comes out. That's what typically happens to the same author, to a smaller author that goes with the name House. They take your work and they alter it. And they, they in the case of Pen, and I'm not going to say their name. In the case of one, they looked at my book and they wanted true haunting too. And they said to me, you know, all all you need to do is up the chill factor, and then we're going to change the cover. And I said, no, goodbye. And now I'm with Book Baby. And. Okay. Uh, Today, you know, if, if there's any potential writers out there, I'm, I'm always helping a few. So I'm actually helping two right now. I tell them all the same thing. Some listen to some of it and some don't. 
if you go with a traditional publisher today, you know, a new writer, all of a sudden they, they get all fluffed up because the, the publisher offers them $5,000. Okay, that $5,000 is not like a bonus. It's a payday loan. It's an advance. That means your book has to earn it, and then you don't get royalties until you exceed the 5000 So it's not really anything special. Now, for doing that, the publisher gets to possibly change your title, to definitely design the cover, you lose control, definitely alter your text so they can tell you to add, delete, do whatever. Uh, And a lot of publishers now are trying to save money by cutting the pages. Uh, So they'll... One one friend of mine had her work done. They cut 25% of her book. 25%. And then the worst thing for the new authors is the traditional house's price fix. And uh, that's the last thing, you know, the new authors are thinking about. And then their book comes out, and the e-book is $9.99. Well, let me tell you something. There's a whole gigantic audience that will not pay over five bucks for an ebook. And they shouldn't have to because the technology and the labor. No. And so when you see a 999 and it's killed some books, I can't mention any titles, but even friends of mine who published, they've had good work. It should have done. The book should have done far better than they're doing, but they just lost that whole audience. And, you know, they forget that it's a worldwide audience so that, you know, your 999 here may or may not be affordable. It may not be affordable in the U.K. or in Australia or in Brazil and or in Scotland and I, or Canada. So it means a lot. And uh, if if their sales aren't 90 percent, 80 to 90 percent e-books, then their publisher has screwed them royal, and they don't see that. And uh, I won't give you the titles, but there are a few books out there that I really love that are true nonfiction that should have done way better than they've done, but they lost that audience at, at 999 So, you know, publishing with traditional publishers, well, now the traditional publishers know, so they're buying out the self-publishers. So Author House, Ex Liberus, Universe, Strafford uh, have all been bought out by uh, Penguin Random House. Hay House and Balboa Press are both contracted to, to allow Penguin Random House to do their editing. So they've been able to fire their editing department and let. And guess what Penguin Random House is doing? They're filtering all the nonfiction, which uh, I. I love self-publishing. I love it for myself. I love to read self-published books because they're honest. Now, people say, well, you don't get the precise stellar editing that traditional houses. They're right. Okay, you're going to find flaws in my book. But you're going to get no bullshit and a a good story. You know, I I don't have to bow to a, a publisher who says, we need a few more pages of filler here. And you you know you write about the bathroom for for two days or something. Uh, it's straightforward and it's honest. So I I love self publishing and I people ask why I do that armchair picture where I'm reading other people's books. Uh, 
because I'll help every single author. Uh, because if someone gets interested in their book, they'll continue in Paranormal and they'll buy mine. And that's a fact. Right, that's right. So, I mean, you look okay. up any, any of the books, any of the books you want, and you look on, on Amazon and then slide down a little bit and you'll see the what's called the also boughts. So, you know, if you look up S.G. Wells' books, she's a, she's a, a lovely lady. Uh, under S.G. Wells, you'll see that also bought, they also bought True Haunting. So, you know, I hope I can promote her book. And mm-hmm. under my also boughts, it'll show S.G. Wells. And if everybody did that, we'd have a much stronger stronger and kinder community. Yeah, we do it together. Well, I have a couple comments uh, in the chat room. Matt, the firefighter, says, after reading True Haunting 1 and 2, I now have three of Ed's books, and hearing that he's writing more books is awesome. And he said he thinks he found his new favorite author. And uh, thank you, Matt. Yeah, I know Matt, Matt is kind. Very kind. And then... But, but it's true. I love the, I love all your books, and they do have that personal touch. And, and they, you're speaking in your voice, even in the books, which is, is really fantastic. So Anne is asking, so should we write small novels as opposed to a big beach book? I, uh, boy, oh boy, I, I got to love hate on that answer because uh, I hate the fact that Amazon is allowing a 10-page work to be called a book. You know, Amazon has some books that are only 10 pages, 12 pages. And when I see hmm. that, it's like you're you're destroying the definition of a book. Uh, that's a magazine article as far as I'm concerned. Well, it's like a pamphlet um, or, or something, maybe. Yeah, my guess is, uh, you know, to answer Ann's question, if you have, uh, it, it, I, I, I go by word count. So, there are stories that I, I've got books that I've written. When I start one, I never know uh, how big it's going to be. I, I really don't. And if it doesn't cross 50,000 words, which is 100 pages, to me it's not a book. And I, I might save it for a book of short stories. Someday I'll publish another book of short stories or something like that. But it ain't a book if it doesn't have at least 100 pages. Now, I'm a dinosaur, so that was the old-school rule. Uh, and that's what I kind of go by. I, uh, it, You know, you can call it a novella, I guess, and publish it. Uh, mm-hmm. Or a guy, to me, it, or something it, like that. It, yeah, it, it's got to be... Uh, it's got to be a book. I mean, I've gotten a lot of emails and letters over the years from people who they thank me because they they were buying Kindles and uh, Kindle books, and then they trip across mine and they buy it. and And I've gotten emails that say, "Thank you so much. I bought it for two ninety nine. It's a real book." <laughs> <laughs> Poor people. <laughs> and uh, I had a fight. I had a fight. Uh, I had a fight with the publisher. In 2011, I fought with the publisher on my first book because I said, n- number one, I grew up in computers after music, so I know what it costs to distribute an ebook. I mean, yeah, there's work behind it, and there's storage, and there's things you got to do, and there's time, and there's costs for transmitting and, and all that. But 
it's not ten dollars an ebook kind of cost. Uh, it, they, what they've got now is a cash cow. It, it, uh, so I fought with my publisher to get it at two ninety nine, and uh, they were against it. They were, you know, the, the other funny part is on True Haunting. My daughter goofed up. Okay, I gave her all I did is give her a, a manuscript on a flash drive, and I gave her the cover as an, a concept. Typically, I give her a cover and it's a concept, and then she she decides whether she wants to do it or whether she has the professionals do it. She took True Haunting and just it was actually you know I it was supposed to be her book actually. She put my name on it used my concept cover and threw it out there. And I was a- actually angry until I found out it was number one in new releases. And I said, okay, I'll accept that, you know. Uh, but the cover became so distinctive that it was about two years later that uh, one of the big wigs at Author House called me. And they were talking about sales and things. And they said, all you need is a more professional cover. <coughs> And I laughed because I had the most reviewed book out of their 96,000 books they published. And I said, yeah, I, I need a cover just like the other 96,000 you guys have done. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that shut him up. So when it came to True Haunting 2, Marsha and I, and uh, I had a number of my daughter, my son-in-law, a couple close friends. I, I threw my concept covers at them, and they all chose that cover. You know, I just stamped a two on the front, and that's the one that they wanted. On one of the covers, I, okay. I had uh, the back of the house, and they didn't like that. And uh, it, it was exciting. It was exciting interviewing my wife. Uh, it was exciting writing it because uh, I had three ways I could have written it, and I chose one that I hoped the public would accept. And uh, I guess I, you know, I got the gold ring because everybody's sort of, I think I've got one comment. Yeah, I mean, I've got one terrible review that's a three-star, you know. (laughs) The rest of them are all five-stars, so uh, I guess everybody loves it. And and, uh, it was based on Dan, and it was based on Marsha, her experiences, because I did have a, a, a ton of emails. I said, how the hell did your wife survive there? And quite honestly, I'll swear on a Bible, I did not know. I never asked her. Never wanted to know. Because there was nothing I could do about it. So it was like, you know, la, 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 less I hear, the happier I am. Yeah. Well, now we sit Now we sit down the first part of this year, and I start asking her questions. And uh, she starts to find that, she understands why Dan won't come and visit me and wouldn't give me a first-hand interview because he gave me stuff in writing and he talked to me over the phone. But live, I get to tear you apart. I, I, you know, you tell me that uh, you heard a noise at the door and you opened it. And I get to say, wait a second. You hear a noise at the door. What's the first thing that went through your head? Were you frightened? Were you this? Were you that? You know, did you move quickly toward the door, or did you were you kind of reluctant? Uh, and I, I take a person apart emotionally because that's what I need to capture. Marcia found that out, and uh, she was actually during the interviews. She began to fear 
that you know because of all our talk and detail and things that the ghosts from Camel Street were going to come get us. And uh, and then when I told her I still had the jar with the bullets, she freaked out completely. Uh, but I told her no, those those ghosts were bound. They're bound to that location. I hope to God they're planned and, and they're, they're set free and happy. But I, I, no, I, I never that. feared. I, I never okay. feared. But uh, go ahead. Well, I want to give away a book, so. This is the first question. So I want you to be the first one to call in. And uh, I already put a little hint on my Facebook page. So the, the we're doing movie quotes. So you just got to tell me what where the quote's from, which movie it's from. Okay? So the first one is, can it root anyone? Give me a call, 619-924-9744. The first one to get it get the book. Six one nine nine two four nine seven four four. I thought you were going to make it easy. <laughs> no. I thought it was going to be something like, "Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me?" <laughs> no. Okay. If nobody is calling with that one, I don't know. Everybody's thinking. Everybody got frozen. I don't know. My computer just blew up. Okay. The next. Hint for this movie that I'm talking about. It's a quote from a movie. These are all quotes, okay? Is this isn't a dream? This is real. Come on. Now I have to start. Now I have to start saying actors. That's not. That's not right. Man, I'm okay, a, I'm a movie actress. buff, and I don't know where the hell you're coming from. <laughs> I, I really don't. I never... <laughs> Unfortunately, this is one of the favorite things I did with my kids, and we all memorize the most obscure movies. This is not an obscure movie. As a matter of you fact... Gotta make a, you got to make them like, <laughs> I'll be back, you know. Uh, I know I will, but these are all scary movies. This is one of the scariest movies back in the 60s. Okay, one of the actresses, you're going to get it now. Had very long hair. She was in a soap opera for years and years. She cut all her hair up and married off and married Frank Sinatra. She is the main actress in this movie. Come on! Lord oh, I know what. Well, I, now I know what now, it is. I know you know what it is. Now I know you know what it is. Come on! It's one of my favorite movies. I watch it at least two times a year. <sighs> Come on, people! All right. Let's see if you're listening can hear me now. Okay. I'm getting people clicking, but I don't have a taker. This is for our first very rare signed copy of True Haunting 1 or True Haunting 2. <laughs> Come on. I, uh, people in chat, do you want to answer? Because I know you're all typing like crazy. Hello? Yes. Uh oh. Okay, Ed dropped. Ed calls back. Poor guy. Anyway, Supernatural Radio, you got it right. So I hope that we're friends because I need to get your phone number. And uh, uh, Rosemary's baby was correct, and it was Mia Farrow. So thank you so much. And let's see. Hello, Ed. Is that you? Yeah, I got disconnected. Okay, I, I knew it just back. hung up. It was so rude. 
It just not, so yeah, it, was, it was Mia Farrow. They so, so Supernatural Radio is the one that got it. Rosemary's Baby. She's the first one. She she gets a book. So uh, Supernatural Radio, you got to give me your uh, address and everything. You can friend me, Charlene C H A R Y L E N E Simpson S I M P S O N McCain M C C A I N, and that's how we're going to find out your address. I'm going to give it to Ed. Okay. And yes, Angel Martin. It was, it was, it was Mia Farrow. Uh, she was the actress. Thank you. That's what we're talking about. Okay. Hello, Rumble Angel down. Martin. <laughs> Hello, my Angel Martin. How are you? Um, you know, you said you watch Rosemary's Baby once or twice a year. Yes, I'm that kind of person. See, see, I can't do that because not not because it's that scary. The scary part to me is having the baby. Uh, it was horrible. I don't watch that part. I just watch I it mean, all the way up till, because I hate the chanting they're doing at the end, and I can't listen to it. You know what I mean? So I watch, and the same thing with the with another movie. You want to do one more before we go back to our, our regular talk? Okay. Is everybody ready for the second one? Do you want to do it now? Go ahead. We're almost on the hour. Okay. This is the second one. So if you're calling in, press number one if you know the answer. This is another big, big blockbusting movie and book. I read both. I watched this, only half of this movie because I can't take it. Anyway, this is the quote. He's a liar. The demon is a liar. He will lie to confuse us, but he will also mix lies with the truth to attack us. The attack is logical, Damien, and powerful. So don't listen. Remember that. Do not listen. Okay, smart Alex. Which one is which book? Which book and movie? That's the hint. Angel says she's good. Thank you. <laughs> he said thanks for the shout out. She's okay. so sweet. Okay. And then the next. Mm, no, that's not it. Not Amityville. That's a good. That's a good uh, guess, though. Not Amityville. Uh, the next one's going to give it away, so it's going to have to be the quickest answer. Uh, okay, let me see. Ding 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 ding. ding. Oh, we have a. We might have an answer. Hello, you're live with the Paranormal and the Sacred. What's your answer? Is this for me? Yeah. Who's All this? right, the exorcist. Oh, yeah. Hi. Nathan, my name's... Hey. How's it going, Ed? Um, yeah, I was... How are you? My... Oh, good, good. Definitely. Actually, uh, you sent me a couple books a while back. I appreciate that. Um, Do you have an answer? Uh, so... The exorcist. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. <laughs> 1973. That was Father Marin because the next one was horrible that I didn't want to have to say. But it was 1973, The Exorcist. That was by Father Marin just before he croaked. And then the demon <laughs> said after that, that was my next hint. What actually before he for croaked? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you got it. So how are you people going to get a hold of me? Because you're going to get that book. So uh, right. you got it right. 
cool. So what you can do is this is this your what's your name, please? Yeah, I'm Nathan. Mason. If there's if you already got is, is these books, is that your phone number? Uh, is that your phone number? Oh, don't say oh. it all. You're gonna have yeah. everybody yeah, calling you. I, okay, I see it. I see it. I'm writing it down right now. Na- so Nathan, you if you already, if, Nathan, if you already have that title, tell Shar which of my books you want, and I'll send you the one you want. Yeah. Okay, I'm writing oh, it down. Which we- book? Okay, right. so then uh, thank you so much for calling in. Do you have a question for Ed while you're on here? Yeah, actually, I do. Uh, I was curious, um, have you come across any uh, other people um, that have come forward, that, like uh, the people, the tenants that live there, kind of at the end of your home in the building, or uh, or any any memories that have come back that have uh, kind of sparked recently? Aside from Dan, no. And uh, if I were to find my, our, the people that took our apartment after we were there, they wouldn't have too much of a story. Uh, who I'd like to find is the fellow I gave it to because his life got literally destroyed. He, he took possession of the first floor, and uh, I was able to go back two years later and talk to a neighbor and from what they told me, it was his whole life. I mean, I know he went bankrupt. His business got closed. His wife left him. He became ill. He went back to his home state. And all I knew is he had a, a southern draw, kind of a quick southern draw. So I kind of placed him on the east, Georgia, Alabama, or whatever. And, and that's where I've searched. I can't find him. And uh, given that he was 10 years, somewhere around 10 years older than we were, he probably has passed. He would be 80 right now. Sure. But boy, if I could uh, interview him, that would definitely make True Haunting 3. Uh, yeah. Uh, that, I know you mentioned that at the end of the book, and uh, I'm just curious if anybody else had come forward, or, or uh, especially the people that you had living there that uh, kind of took care of the place after you moved out. Um, you they they yeah. the years. Yeah, other than, uh, you know, if I could find them, they'd corroborate, you know, they'd be willing to do it, a paranormal witness, and they'd corroborate what happened, but their happenings were uh, less than ours. So it wouldn't be, you know, now and then I get people who read True Haunting, and they say it, it's uh, it, it's not scary. Okay. Well, oh, it was to me. It, it's it not, you know. But, it, it crawls up your it, back very slowly. And it's creepy, you know, because you know it's true. I I hear the ring of truth, and that scared the hell out of me. Yeah, and true paranormal is is not scary. I mean, nothing's going to jump out of the closet at you. Um, it's there's going to be happenings. It's, uh, Marcia was way more sensitive than I was, uh, so she kind of, I they they performed more for her than they did for me initially. Like they could sense. That I, I didn't believe. So, I, you know, Marcia would say this happened or that happened, and I'd say, ah, BS, you know. Uh, it's her hormones or whatever going on. Uh, it's not frightening. It's confusing. Eventually, uh, you're walking on eggshells. You, you get anxiety. You, you get sleep deprivation. It wears on you. And uh, that's why whenever I read a book and the person has lived in a horrific haunted house for 10 years, it's like, that's BS. 
it's impossible. You'd be batshit crazy by the time you got uh, to your third. I was almost crazy, and we didn't even go uh, two full years. I became uh, just a very angry young man. I got mad at everything. Uh, it, it made me, I was walking on eggshells, always edgy. Uh, it, it's a terrible experience, but it's not scary, scary. And uh, with that, you know, I can, it's a perfect segue into, uh, I, I've been in movie negotiations now for my, it's my second set uh, for three years. So this uh, this negotiation will cease in December, and we have one obstacle. And that is, I want to guarantee that it goes to the box office. Because uh, Hollywood is kind of in disarray right now. They're only making money off of animation and comic books and franchise movies like Fast and Furious number 93. Uh, they're doing remakes. I want to make sure mine doesn't go direct to video. And uh, I want an absolute guarantee. And uh, they can do that in two ways one, by putting it in writing. Two, by upping the budget to where I know they have to send it to the box office. So, uh, yeah, you know, eventually there'll be a true haunting movie. and uh, Or maybe, you know, even though The Conjuring was a good movie, uh, maybe I'll pass away like Ed Warren did, and then they'll take advantage of my family, and, and they'll be able to make whatever the hell they yeah. want using my my story. I was mad when I saw The Conjuring because uh, aside from the the over uh, overkill on uh, some of the horrific parts, and they didn't give Ed Warren any credit for his writing, or, or based on, or anything like that, which was the first thing I negotiated. Is I get writer's credit. Once I do that, then I also have uh, I, I want the, the ability for approval. So. I, and that that movie companies don't like because uh, they can't just do a screenplay, which is very expensive. They have to hand me a synopsis. The writers do, and uh, if I don't like the synopsis, I say no, and then they go back and they take another look. But right now we've got everything in place other than a guaranteed box office. So uh, if it expires in December, they'll either apply for an extension or I'll go on to the next company, which is another major company. And again, it'll be another 18-month dance. We start all over. Uh, but I've got a pile of contracts and options uh, that is pretty considerable. Uh, I just don't want them to make a mess out of it. Or, uh, You know, they have like a whole department. Each of these damn studios have a whole department of creative people that are just thinking and making up stuff that have never been seen before. And then they're waiting to add that stuff when they come up with something. They, they, they'll add that to whatever script comes through, you know. And uh, I don't want that. I uh, I think there's enough room in True Haunting for a lot of CGI and imagery. You know, if you picture me fighting with that door, I don't know what was on the other side. You know, so they, they can create whatever they like there and... and we don't know what was moving objects. We, you know, there's imagery all over a true haunting book if, if, if they want to put it there, and still stay within the framework. You know, if they could do as good a job as uh, Paranormal Witness did in 62 minutes, it would be amazing. You know, but they would do it for an hour and a half. 
true. So, yeah, I, 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 uh, so the, the negotiations continue. That's all I can say on that. And, uh, no, I'm not going to uh, allow them to do something cheesy. And because uh, you have to really watch your P's and Q's on everything, uh, because they can they can put a, a, a sex scene in there if they want to get their rating. And uh, you know, so I'm concerned with Marsha and my image. And uh, and yeah, I'd like them to stay within the framework of the book. Uh, very difficult to do with Hollywood. You know, I mean. Take the movie The Exorcist. To me, it's a brilliant movie. I watch that that movie once a year. I love it. But there is nothing about that movie that resembles truth. Not one damn thing, okay? There was never a priest that was an archaeologist. It wasn't a, a girl. It was a boy. They didn't live in Georgetown. The boy, if if I ever wrote the book of the true exorcist story, nobody would buy it because it would nobody would finish it. They might buy it, but then they'd say, "Shit, I can't read this thing." Uh, this boy gets exorcised twenty times by Lutherans, by Episcopals, by Evangelists, by a rabbi, and then the Catholics come in politically and they say, "Well, we'll try it, but we have to baptize the boy Catholic." And then there's a, a feud, and uh, then there's things that are written that uh, even the priest who is present, the two priests disagree. One one says, "Oh, the boy levitated." The other the other one says, "No, he didn't. The bed shook." You know. Hmm. But it's it, it's a rather boring story. Uh, it, it, the true exorcist story. The movie brilliant only because they did it exactly technically correct. It all could happen, and if it did happen, it could happen that way. Uh, but it doesn't even resemble how it truly happened, and then how what truly happened has also been uh, uh, distorted a whole lot. Sharp, I met this fellow, okay. I, nameless, okay? Uh, okay? He told me a story, and I believed him. He said that he was able to visit the hospital where the boy stayed, the mental hospital, and they closed off the room, and he was the only person that's ever been able to enter that room and and view it. And I believed him, okay? Except that that, then I found out the building was destroyed in 1978. The whole damn building is gone. It's got demolished in 1978. So he's walking around telling people he went to this room and it didn't exist. And then there was a controversy. There was a controversy because the boy was actually treated by by psychiatrists and mental specialists. So there was an argument over was it a medical cure or did he truly get exercised? You know, so if you wrote the real story and you did it the way I write, I'd write write it factually. It would really be a bunch of crap. Uh compared to the movie. The, the movie is brilliant. I love it. And, I agree. Uh, right um, from the get-go. I got a good it. question for you, Ed. I got a good question. This is from the chat. Who would you want to play you in the movie? Mm-hmm. Danny, D- Danny DeVito. No. <laughs> that's not going to work. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't care. 
the the guy who played me in uh, Paranormal Witness, Jordan, uh, I forgot his last name, uh, but him and I talked. I uh, I contacted him and I congratulated him. I told him what a great job he did, and uh, I sent him a signed book. And uh, but he did a wonderful job. I thought the casting. I didn't think they cast Marsha very well, hmm. uh, or my sister. They didn't cast Marsha or my sister very well, uh, but. Jordan did a nice job. Jordan Gray is his name. He's a young actor okay. uh, out of Canada, out of Toronto. Good and, question. Uh, okay. Uh, now, Mason, uh, is there, are you done with your questions? I want to thank you so much. Oh, yeah, sure. Actually, can I okay. uh, say one more quick thing? Uh, I'm just curious okay. if you're familiar with uh, Steve Lachance. And uh, I thought he kind of had a similar, uh, you know, story afterwards you know he wrote two books uh, a few years apart too and uh does leave with that question and uh thank you very much for your time and my girlfriend helped me out on that answer thank you yes yeah, steven's a good steven's a good friend of mine uh steven is a good friend of mine and uh good man um can i address something yes please. So, something that people are writing me about and uh they're upset about, and uh, and they, I, I think a lot of them are wondering why I'm not upset. Destination America is advertising the first live exorcism. And uh, a lot of people say, oh, you know, they're trying to steal my thunder, uh, blah, blah, blah. They're not. It's all a bunch of BS, okay? Uh, Chip Coffee, who's a, a nice man, is going to go into a house that may be haunted, and they're going to, uh, I don't know, talk to the spirits or do whatever. Why Destination America is saying it's going to be an exorcism? They have no true exorcism scheduled, no ritual. Number one, a true exorcist would not allow it to be filmed. Okay, so that's BS. Okay, in this day and age, they would not allow that. So they won't have a true exorcist. They won't have a ritual. And most of all, they won't have a subject to exercise. So unless they want to, you know, grab someone off the street and say, pretend like you're possessed, uh, no, it's it's all just a, a fun Halloween day. It doesn't make me angry. Uh, I don't think they're trying to steal my thunder. They're just, or take our place. Ours was done on a major network. The okay. people were authentic. The people were authentic. Yeah. Uh, I didn't understand the anger at all or the focus on it because it's just, it's not going to be a harsh one. It's a lighthearted. Destination America is not a, a deep, dark show. It's kind of lighthearted. So, I don't, honestly, I, don't know I didn't know who the hell they. Uh, I didn't know who the hell they were. Uh, it's much like uh, it's Paranormal a Witness. Show. We've got uh, Marsha and I watch te- television. So, when the Paranormal Witness came along, I refused uh, to be on it. I didn't know who the hell they were. And it was my kids and, and my grandkids and everybody know that, oh, Papa, it's sci-fi, you know. Well, it's like, what the hell is sci-fi? What, what do I care? The, all I know is NBC, ABC, CBS. Uh, but then I found out how popular it was, and I finally got them to agree on uh, a certain structure. And they, they moved their whole production company from Boston to St. Louis to accommodate me because I, I refused to fly. And... Uh, you know, for people that are wondering, uh, I'm actually healthier than I was three years ago. And the reason is that uh, three years ago I had a 
calcification on my right knee that impaired my walking. They took it off, and uh, it, it made me angry because it was so big. I wanted it. It was calcification. Afterward, I wanted it to use as a paperweight or something to show people. <coughs> but by the time I woke up, they said pathology had already dissected the damn thing. Uh, and then I was walking around with blood clots in my leg. So I had a time bomb ticking, and uh, I'm clot-free today. And, uh, you know, that was solved. I also had a bit of skin cancer on my arm, and uh, which could have been, it, was, it wasn't uh, the basal cell, it was squamous cell. Uh, so they took that off, and, uh, you know, so I'm actually feeling pretty good. Also, you know, three years ago, they had no handle on my medication. I was going from being dizzy to, uh, to actually blinded me at one point with kaleidoscope vision, and today they've, they've got a handle on my medication. So between my medication and being clot-free and my knee being okay and my cancer being gone, uh, you know, I'm not 25 again, but I, I, I feel really good. You're doing amazing. Uh, other than, you know, where's, where's my wife? That's going to be the name of my first country song I write. What, where the hell is my wife? Where the hell is my wife? What happened to my life? <laughs> That's right. Kind of reminds me of another one, but uh, anyway. Uh, okay, I have another question. Call number 619-924-9744, or be the first one to answer in chat. This is easy. Okay. So let's here we go. Ray... When someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. It's supposed to be Jeopardy music, but I don't think it's just. <laughs> so, the Ray, when someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. Don't you remember? Come on, come on. I, I'm way older than you, and I don't remember that. So, uh, oh man, okay. You, I will give you, you remember, a hint. Audience, your audience, your audience thinks movies are old if they're 1982. So I'm sorry, people. <laughs> okay, well you got you got a hint there. You almost have the hint. It's a 1984. She got it, but she she got it. Oh my God, you got it, and. And and got the next book, and it's Ghostbusters. Don't you remember that? Don't you remember that no, scene I, where he says the the uh, the demon, whatever the alien says, "Are you a god?" And he said, "No." And he's supposed to say yes. <laughs> so anyway, that's when the that's when the Pillsbury Doughboy Dough came and attacked the whole city. I love Ghostbusters. I've seen that three thousand times. <laughs> Is so that Ann Davis the guy? Was it Ann no, Davis? It's no, it's not. No, it's Ann um, Morales, and uh, okay. she won it. So uh, that's pretty cool. I've Got to write everything down, Ann. Okay. All right. So let's see. Uh, we'll do one more before we keep keep going because we're almost at 7.30, so we want to keep going with the story. Now, this one is going to be pretty easy. And this is for, uh, what's the name of that book? Uh, anyway, this is for the 
uh, Pete Elmer's book, uh, The Investigator of UFOs, and uh, he gave us three books, too. So this one's for that book. So let's see. Okay, so this is going way back, too, but you know you've seen these movies a million times. The call-in number is 619-924-9744, and here's the next clue, and you've seen it a million times. And he says this very politely. Here's the quote. We all go a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. So if you're calling in right now, please press 1 so I know you're just not listening. Because I have many callers on here, but they haven't put the pushed 1. So I think you're just listening. Anyway, so press 1 so I can see the question mark, and then I'll pick up the phone. So it would be, we all go a little mad sometimes. Now, that's kind of obscure, but, you know, think of a polite person. Okay, I'm going to try this one because I don't think they got it got it right. Hi, area code 502, you're live with the Paranormal the Sacred. Do you have an answer or are you just listening? I don't, I can't think of an answer. Oh, darn it. Okay, do you have a question, Fred? I'm sorry. Do you have a, oh, she has a sound. You have your sound turned up. She's seen the echo. Uh, Uh, Do you have a question for Ed? What is the word, the clue? The clue was you all go a little mad sometimes. I'm telling you it's from actual Um, year. Poltergeist? No, that's not it, darn it. Okay, I don't know it. Okay, thank you, dear. Thanks for listening. All right, do I need to hang up now? No, I'm putting you back on hold, so don't don't hang up. You're all right. Okay. Okay, bye-bye. What a nice lady. Okay, now I got one. Hi, you're live with the paranormal and the sacred. What's your first name, please? Hello? Hello? Hi, what's your first name? Adeline? What? Am I online? Yeah, you're you're on air right now. Oh, hi there. Hi there. It's What's Adeline? your name? Adeline. It's Adeline. Hi. Okay, I love that name. Okay, now, do you have an answer? Thank you. Yes, yeah, Psycho. You're right. It's Psycho. Because the next one, <laughs> that was 1960, and that was Norman Bates. Very nice saying that we all get a little crazy sometimes. And also... The next, the next uh, hint was going to be a boy's best friend is his mother. <laughs> That's a oh. question. So anyway, dear, I need to uh, somehow get your phone number. So, uh, are you in the chat room right now, or are you just a caller? I'm not. I'm just a caller. But um, could I get in contact with you through Ed's Facebook? Uh, I'm going. Let me see. I'm going to put you well, on a hold. Well, Sharon's okay. on Facebook. Uh, you, you, well, I'm on way. Facebook, yeah. Do it, do it with me because I, I have to send you the book from okay. I already have the other book. Okay, so well, that my name great. is... I'll send you a message. Charlene Simpson McCain or The Paranormal and the Sacred, either one. Okay, that sounds good. Okay, I'll send, send you a message. message then. All right. Thank, Thank you, you, dear. Okay. Thanks, Ed. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Okay, bye, Okay, we've got Adeline, and we've got two more books left. Not two. Anyway, um, 
I, I wanted to ask you another question. Ed. You know, you've done so much for everybody. Like you're generous with your time, which I can't believe, and uh, you're good to everybody, and you have, you know, been uh, so generous with your books and everything else. And I think this has led to much prosperity because you give much and you and you get much. And uh, you know, I'm very happy that uh, things are going as well as they are. And uh, have you? Um, you also are a collector, but do you ever collect, like, believe in collecting more items other than the, the bullets in the jar? I can't believe you have that either. But other than that, as a, if for people that haven't heard this story or read the story or seen it on YouTube, um, these bullets uh, in the jar were found in the cellar. Tell them the story about the bullets in the jar because these he, uh, we're talking about extremely haunted houses, five spirits, and maybe one unknown. Uh, I, I found uh, that when we left Campbell Campbell Street, um, the psychic warned me that uh, it had to be a, something very strong there because the exorcist couldn't deal with it. They, they failed. I mean, we we knew that, and the psychic he was fearful. He kept in touch with us, and he held our hand. He, Joseph D. Louise, God bless him. Uh, there's going to be a book out on him. Uh, I hope this coming year, and and I, I just wrote the foreword for it. Uh, but he was afraid, and he held my hand, and he warned us. He said, "Don't take anything from this house that was in the house when you left." And and uh, you know, me being who I am, uh, I had to bring a few souvenirs. And one of them was when I was working in that basement, I found a jar with some bullets in it. And uh, in those days, I mean, today I laugh. I watch the garbage man and there's a robot thing and it grabs the garbage can. In those days, two guys came and they grabbed the garbage and the garbage trucks went to a place where they burned it. Well, I wasn't going to throw it in the garbage because they'd go off. They could hurt somebody. So I hid it in the rafters and... uh, as you know, if you read the book, the psychic, the one psychic read it and, and read my, my my mind, and she she knew it. But when we left, I took that jar of bullets with me, and uh, so I still have that jar, the exact jar with the bullets in it. I also took kept one of uh, Ben's books, so there was a little one that was about the size of a, a pocketbook. Uh, it was, it's actually, actually number one issue. I forgot what the name of the book is, but it was a girly book. I kept that with his name on it. And, uh, I kept a, uh, I forgot what they call it. The, th- the, the thing with the cup at the end where you'd get water, uh, like a ladle. A porcelain. Yeah. Ladle. I kept a, a porcelain ladle. And since I think I even sold that ladle in our, in our uh, collectible store. Uh, but I kept a number of pieces, and uh, Marcia never knew until this year. Mm-hmm. So when I interviewed her for True Hunting 2, I told her, and she freaked out completely. Uh, and uh, she was always convinced that if we talked, it was one of the fears when I interviewed her was that she was afraid that the ghost would find her. And... Uh, our bedroom, our house is a sanctuary, so I, I have more blessed items. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not obnoxious. I mean, but you'll find a crucifix or, or over our doors. And uh, 
even a small one, you'll find, uh, you know, other things in our house. And, and uh, our bedroom is just incredible because I've got all kinds of blessed items, plus rosaries, statues, crucifixes. And uh, I, in my webisode, I advise people, all you listeners out there, especially if you're investigators or if you're people who, or if you think you have something active in your house, make your bedroom your sanctuary. Make it so overpoweringly positive and blessed that nothing can enter. Because that's where you go and you go to sleep and your mind and your subconscious is vulnerable. You want to protect yourself in your bedroom. And so if nothing else, you know, make that a fortress. Make that a spiritual fortress where you can go and you're safe. Uh and I, I do that, and uh, I, I never worry, and I sleep well, and I don't have nightmares. Uh, so I I don't believe anything, and we have had spirits in this house. I've got one. It's on the webisode. I have a guitar. It's a 1959. Uh, I thought when I bought it that because we bought the Branson house, and we lived in Branson, I thought, the spirit was in the Branson house. It was not a negative spirit. It was benign, uh, but it would show it. It wouldn't show itself visually. It would. Uh, we'd, we'd see activity, uh, mild activity, nothing threatening. Uh, as it turned out, I had bought this bass that was vintage. I knew it was really. It's a really good bass. It's a Hofner made in Germany, something like the Dave Clark Five used. And uh, it had jazz strings on it, so I knew the player was a good player uh, and probably loved that instrument. I love it now. I'm, I'm attached to it. But so is he. So Marcia and I have seen him, and uh, when we moved to Springfield, we thought we left him in Branson, and he came here. And uh, I realized it's the guitar he showed me because he, what he did is uh, – Above my guitars, if you look at my Facebook somewhere, and there's a picture of my guitar wall. And uh, I had orange as my, the worst color, I don't like orange. Uh, and I had the orange note on the last note sort of around the corner. It moved the orange note over this guitar to tell me that was his, okay? so So you can have benign spirits, but... Even my benign spirit can't enter our bedroom. And uh, most times I tell people if you have something benign, uh, just ignore it. If it doesn't frighten you. If it frightens you, then you you can try to get rid of it. I don't know anybody who's been successful at getting rid of a ghost. You know, If so, the Queen Mary wouldn't be haunted and the castles in England wouldn't mm-hmm. be haunted. Uh, the most you can do is temper their behavior. And I have a theory that you have to give them a room. You know, if you bless your house, don't bless every room. Because when Marsha and I, when we had that done in Campbell, our activity got worse. Well, it occurred to me there's nowhere to go. It's uncomfortable in every single room. So leave them a room and bless everything else. And uh, that's my theory. If you have it, it would be the one that's... you're not. It, it, it'd be the one you're not using. You know oh, okay. what, that you use the the least. Uh, yeah. If you know, not not if it's malevolent. If it's malevolent, you call in Archbishop Ron Fail, and right. ask him to send some someone out to to fix it. 
if it's just benign, they have their own space. Uh, and and uh, it can be a strange space. You can actually put, let's say, your living room chair in the wrong place and suffer activity because that's that was their space. They, they will do the same thing and go to the same place redundantly. Um, there's a, a, a ghost in England. I forgot what bridge it is, but there's a bridge in England. And what they did is to accommodate the high water and higher levels of water, they rebuilt this bridge and they raised it three feet. Well, on the old bridge, every now and then they would see a soldier walking, an old colonial-type soldier. Well, when they built the new bridge, they only see half a soldier because he's still walking the old bridge that ain't there anymore. That's it's right. an amazing story. Yeah, it's an amazing story. Uh, he's benign and he's there, and he's like you know Chicago's uh, lady in white, who's seen every year at a certain time. Uh, but spirits will do things, and I mean it's, it's the reason invest. I, I I sometimes get frustrated talking to investigators because you know they should find out why. You know, don't ask what their name is. Don't ask them. You know, uh, can you see me? And, and silly questions. Get some knowledge out of it. And uh, mm-hmm. we have no central point where investigators can submit their findings, which is why I think if the process of investigation were standardized and the questions, then they could submit their answers and they could be gathered and compared, analyzed, and we would make progress in the paranormal rather than in the uh, the crazy imagery that Hollywood, you know, get tries to put on everybody that, you know, things are going to jump out at you, people are going to walk on the ceiling and all that kind of crap. That's not paranormal. That's just horrific uh, creativity. You know, if we understood it, then we would basically start to uh, possibly alter our behavior or maybe even provide these souls some help and help them move on. Uh, but yeah, a, a ghost. Uh, I get lots and lots of emails and letters through my website, and, and people ask me. They do redundant things. So people all over the world, there are spirits that just walk always. All over the world, there are spirits that do. just yeah that just open doors. They love to do open doors, open cabinets, walk hallways. Uh, sometimes it's an annual thing. It'll happen only at certain times of the year, uh, but. They do the redundant things, and my theory is always that if you're dealing with a true entity who was a human, that they're going to be doing these human functions that they did in real life. You know, consequently, I mean, my book flies in the face of a lot of investigation investigations because most of our activity was in the daytime. You know, we had peace between midnight and probably five in the morning. Uh, everything happened before midnight, actually. Uh, right. Marcia had more happening in the daytime as far as movement and propelled objects and things than we did at night. So, you know, ghost hunters going out at night, it, it's all, uh, you know, they can't go out because it's silent, uh, but in the darkness they're actually at a disadvantage because they won't see the little movement that uh, takes place. 
just subtle little things that can take place. Because a ghost will build up energy. It, it uh, I always believed that some of these ghost investigators that have good, solid EVPs and things, if they stayed at that location and fed that entity more energy, now sometimes they can't because sometimes the energy is batteries. Sometimes that energy is emotion. And yeah. you can't you know you can't create emotion uh to feed to feed a spirit. But I believe that if a spirit got enough energy that the shadow people would become apparitions. Right. Which is why you know, you'll you hear people describe shadow people and sometimes they're just shadows and kind of transparent. Other times they're you'll you'll hear them say they're gray, they're black. I believe that it's a transition that they're going through trying to become seen they're trying to become an apparition if they had enough energy they would be able to be an apparition that that's my mm. i'm just that's just theoretical that is not nothing i know for sure uh but i do know i mean marcia and i both know they they just love to suck up emotional energy and they, they try to create yeah. it and they, they separate relationships they uh they do whatever they can to feed off your 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 energy and uh you know, probably uh, they they love to get at your heart. I guess. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's it's dangerous to mess with it. So I like what you say. If you're thinking about getting into it or messing with the whole thing, you just say don't. You know, you don't advise anybody to get into uh, this with with lack of preparation, and you've got to be a pretty strong person to be able. To yeah, I'm not for it. I think it's insidious. Yeah, you're not for it. I'm never in favor of it, and and uh, people who ask me about that, they'll always get the same answer. You know, ignorance is bliss. Stay away, because exactly. it will. If nothing else, it changes your perspective. It uh, you become aware of things that you weren't aware of before. That they're not wonderful things. They're not things that enhance your life. All of a sudden, they're suspicious things. They're confusing things. They're they're things that all of a sudden you realize are happening that you never noticed before. You right. know, and my my best analogy I, I put on the webisode uh, to people who are not into paranormal but want to get in paranormal. You know, I used to walk my little dog at night, and uh, in Branson because of the nice weather, I I I always went barefoot. And I would take her out at night, and I used to love it late until her la- his last walk, Benji's. I had him on a retractable leash. He could go out 50 feet, and uh, we were on a golf course. The grass was groomed. And I'd walk through the grass, and I'd stare at the Missouri sky from the mountains. Gorgeous. And sometimes I'd talk to God. Sometimes I would just be in awe. And uh, But one night, after a few years, I came in, and on the patio was a copperhead. And uh, hmm. a, a young copperhead, but it, nevertheless a copperhead snake. And I got, I dispatched it and uh, sent it over the Rainbow Bridge. Took my little dog and we went inside. And the very next night, without even any thought, when I went to take my dog out, I put my shoes on. And then we walked out in the yard, and instead of letting Benji roam, I was scanning the grass. Yeah. Because I knew that copperhead had a mama. And, uh, it altered my that awareness altered my whole life. Seeing an apparition will alter your life. 
knowing an object can propel will alter your life. Hearing an EVP, if it's strong enough, and especially if it's a direct answer, it will alter your life. You know, and worse yet, you're subject to an attachment, which mm-hmm. you'll never see coming. You know, I, I've heard of so many, Shar, where uh, a ghost team, even like the one on uh, the one that used to be on A and E, uh, they split up and started not agreeing and all kinds of things like that. Yes, yeah. If you have a member of your team that's a good member, and all of a sudden their personality changes, they get lazy, they don't show up, they start arguing. Guess right. what? They're affected. They are and, affected. Uh, you know, and rather than seeking help for them, what happens is the team says, oh, you're fired. You know, and the person's off on their own, a, uh, a path of possibly destruction. Yeah. And self-destruction uh, is almost like they act like they're loaded or something, like they're, they've turned to drugs or something, because some bad things start happening, one thing after another, you know, and the horrible uh, murder-suicide thing that happened recently. There's just a lot of bad things that happen, so... Uh, I would stay away. You're not equipped. And uh, I personally never sought out this kind of thing. You know, I love the movies and the stories and all that, and, of course, the books, but I've never intentionally gone into a haunted house, even though I've lived in a few. So, anyway, we're going to do one, another two. Uh, you want to do another two books? Because are you going to tell us uh, before the end of the show what was in your hand? Everybody yeah. wants to know. Yeah. Okay, okay. Let me, let me do yeah. the next two books. So. I've got two more copies of Reflections of an Alien Abduction Investigator by Pete Elmore. He donated them last week. He was our guest. He donated them because we have a third anniversary show. So they're signed copies. So here, if you can't get it on this one, you people don't watch this movie. This one's from 1987. Hint, hint, 80s hair. Okay. So this is what Grandpa says. It's the last line of the movie. The one thing about living in Santa Clara I could never stomach. All the damn vampires. Okay, people. The music was great <laughs> in this movie. They had big hair. My favorite movie. I know I love this movie. You got it. You got it. The saxophone player in that movie that played that tune, was his name was Tim. I knew that he was in recovery. Firefighter got it. Yay! So Matt, you got it. So I'm gonna write him down. Matt got it. Contact the one, one of us. Uh, well, for me, no, I have the books. So sorry about that. Uh, it's just contact me on Facebook, uh, the Paranormal and Sacred. You can uh, message me there. And he got that fast. I love that movie, and uh, I love the ending and the whole thing. And if it's uh, my, anyway, if it's. If it's... If it's my book, he tell Matt he can have any title he wants. Because I, okay, I think if it's Matt, Matt Bell, you heard, Matt you Bell heard it, may so already have it. Matt, do you have? Uh, you want to go with? Uh, Ed's offering you a book. Just t- you can just message me, Matt, and tell me. Yeah, he says his favorite movie too, so he knows it. Okay, so I got two more questions. Okay. This is so freaking easy. Okay. So this is for another book. I love these free books. I'm telling you I love books in, in general. I could never go just totally on the uh, the online book thing, you know, because I, I, I tried and I couldn't do it. And 
I do not like it. What I've got is, uh, let's see. Okay, here's another question. This is also a book from, well, I'll tell you right off the bat. It was a book, which I love, scared the hell out of me. And it was a big old movie. So I'm going to try to do it with his inflection, but I don't know if I can do it because he's a mad maniac in real life, too. Anyway, darling, light of my life, I'm not going to hurt you. You didn't finish, let me finish my sentence. I said I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your little brains in. Oh. <laughs> it's so horrible that I think it's funny. That's pretty bad at me. So that's a copy for the Reflections of my Alien Abduction. Okay, we're waiting. I can't do that. I should have. I should copy the Jeopardy uh, music to play in between here because I can't. Uh, I can't remember the tune. Anyway, uh, so that's it. And the next one that goes with it will be have to have to be the fastest person because you're going to get it if I say the next clue. So I'm going to give you a second to either call in six one nine nine two four nine seven four four. Or tell me in chat, darling, light of my life, I'm not going to hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said I'm gonna not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. That's a big hint. <laughs> not silence of the lambs. But you are. <laughs> okay, the second hint. Gosh, nobody gets the morbid jokes. To me, I thought it was funny as hell, okay? Wait, we're getting a call. Let me, let me listen. Because <laughs> he did it with such accentuation, and he's like a jerk anyway. No, he's not. Sorry. I think he's a brat. Anyway, okay. Area code 502. Do you have the answer? Uh, I think so. Um, interview with the vampire? No, darn it. No, that's oh, not it, but that would be a good boys. one. <laughs> yeah, okay, no. I guess I didn't you get did it. good, though. Okay, okay uh, you did good, though. Sorry. Okay, I'm putting you on hold. Okay. Okay. So it's not Silence of the Lamb. Diary, diary interview with a vampire was excellent. Okay, come on, people. Okay, next hint. Here's Johnny. Come on. Don't you remember when he took his little hatchet and bashed in the front door and stuck his head in? You guys don't remember this movie? I can't believe it. Do you remember Ed? I can't remember the title, a little, but he took it, a hatchet. He took a hatchet. He chopped in the front door. He's trying to kill his wife. And yeah, Jack his Nicholson. Name Jack Nicholson, you got that part. Get it. Yes, The Shining. Angel. There you go. Angel got it. Let me see. Angel got it. Thank you, Angel. Okay, Angel. Uh. That's it. Angel, you got to message me. Everybody's starting to get it now. Okay, I got it. So that was it. Um, I really uh, <laughs> thank you for participating. <laughs> I hope you weren't too annoyed <laughs> with this whole thing. <laughs> anyway, uh, now, do you want to tell us what you were having in your hot little hand? Because I know all of the psychics you know failed miserably. Including no, no, they didn't. No, they, they didn't. In fact, uh, one of the things that I felt bad about was maybe I should have prefaced that whole thing differently because it wasn't intended to make anyone look bad or feel bad. Oh, no. Uh, 
uh, I psychics okay have different levels of gifts. Majority of them are random, so they don't control or turn it on and off like a radio. I know that. Not everyone is, is a uh, is a remote viewer or telekinetic. Uh, I did know someone who would have not only guessed it instantly, uh, they would have probably told me what item I was going to choose. They worked for the government. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. they're very. If you would have met this person, you would have thought he was alien. All right, his name was Olaf Johnson, mm. uh, and it was it was it was just a, a scary thing meeting him. When I learned, Marsh and I both witnessed some of the things he did. It was like, no, this ain't human. Uh, it wasn't magic. It, it was incredible. But I was truly, and I still am, searching for that person because I I need that person. Yeah. So it wasn't meant to. And in fact, I told people to. A lot of people start guessing who aren't psychic and goofing around with it, but I, I said, private message me. I'm not going to say who, who was wrong and all that. I didn't care. Right. But the I was going to do, there were three items that I had a choice of doing. All three I was emotionally attached to. So mm-hmm. one of my friends, uh, Christopher Demi Michaels, very sharp, uh, if you're listening, Christopher, uh, he guessed uh, the black ring from Campbell Street. Mm-hmm. That was going to be the item originally, but then I thought, no, I might come across somebody who's as sharp as Christopher Demi Michaels, and he'll figure it out. So then I switched, and I was going to do. Uh, it's it's something I'm really emotionally attached to, and I love it. It's a uh, it's the original coin, the first coin that America ever made. It's not actually a coin; it wasn't made by the mint, so it's kind of considered a token or a coin. It's I called got- the food. It's called the Fujio scent. Okay, that was my second choice. But that's what I picked. Remember, I said it, what, it was like. That, but that, yeah, that that wasn't ahead. the item. But that wasn't that the item. It. But that would have been my second to. choice. Oh damn it! Okay, and, go ahead. And, but the, the item it was okay. In 1882, the Catholics created an order called the Knights of Columbus. They're basically. Uh, you know the modern version of the Templar Knights, the right hand of uh, of the Catholics. What I had in my hand is something that I got about 35 years ago. I treasure it. I mean, I keep it safe at all times. It's a, I believe it was a watch fob. It could be a necklace, but I believe mm-hmm. it was a watch fob. So it's kind of a, a, a token or pendant-looking thing. It's the original symbol of the original Knights of Columbus. It's uh, well over 100 years old. Uh, I've had it for 35 years. And uh, because it was religious, spiritual, and I'm attached to it, Mm -hmm. I figured whoever is going to get it would get a good projection. And Mm -hmm. uh, I I really expected someone to to. Thing it was round in bronze color or gold color, but I don't even know if that's the right color now. Yeah, that was the Fujio scent. That was the Fujio oh, scent. Dang it. Okay, and, all right. Uh, and I, I, in fact, that was going to be my first, it was the black ring, then it was the Fujio scent. But I figured too many people would say coin and, and they, they would mm. be non specific. 
So I figured, no, I yeah. got to be unique. It's it, this this item is unique. It's 18 karat gold nice. with a little it's with a platinum globe on it, and uh, I don't even know if they use this the same symbol, but it's uh, somewhere between 1882 and 1900 as far as its age. And uh, I love it. I mean, it makes me feel good just it holding it. Sounds beautiful. You got to now. You got to post yeah. a picture of it. Cause it sounds awesome, really. I'll have to. You know, I I just put it back actually in my safe deposit box. So I'll have to go get it. Uh, okay. And, and take a picture of it. It is gorgeous, and uh, I've never seen another one. Even even when I meet a Knight of Columbus, I've never seen another one. So it, uh, I have no idea what its collectible value is. I don't don't really care because I'm never going to sell it. Right. But that's what it was. It, it was a uh, the symbol of the original Knights of Columbus, created in 1882. And it's, I believe it was a watch fob. It was something a guy would put on his keychain and his vest. Yeah. Uh, is is what it was. And uh, today you might call it a charm or uh, whatever, but. It's it's kind of heavy gold, and platinum. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's it's well, a very very well, unique item. Picture. It sounds like that would be a nice thing to put on one of your covers of your book too. You know what I mean? It could be a beautiful uh, setup with that and something else. Maybe one of the crosses or something. You know what I mean? It, it, it is gorgeous, but people I don't know if people would identify what the hell it was. They'd look at it and it you know. Uh, but but it is something you know if you're Catholic and you know the Knights of Columbus, uh, they're a little bit easier to get into. Then they were a little more clannish in 1882. And, and yeah. uh, today, I, I guess you just pay a fee and join or something. I don't know. Uh, in those years, you had to be uh, brought in like, like a mason or something like that. Uh, but that's what it was, and and my intent was never. To embarrass anyone or or to uh, we like it. I do, thought it do was anything fun. like that. I just wanted someone. I'm, I am I'm still looking for that person. So I want that person yeah. who can accomplish that. And uh, I know they're out there, but the question becomes: Yeah, there's remote viewers I, that can get I, it. I shouldn't. You shouldn't make it when you're doing remote viewing. If you're trained right, you won't make a judgment. You'll just describe what it looks like and what's on it, and you got to be trained to do that. Well, the problem becomes they're going to know that I know that if someone can be that specific and they would have gotten it, I would have automatically known. It wouldn't matter to me, and I wouldn't divulge their identity, but I would already know that they work for the government. The government oh. has the strongest, best. What, what every psychic doesn't know is that when you say you're a reader or a psychic and you're going to do, especially these people that do phone readings, to throw themselves mm-hmm. out there. As soon as they announce it, the first time they're out there doing it on the radio, it may be the, the first caller, it may be the fifth caller, but they're talking eventually to a government person. Hmm. That government person is going to determine their level of accuracy. If they yeah. have a high level of accuracy, they they won't be taken away in a black van or anything like that. There will be someone who will knock at their door and ask them if they'd like to be tested, and you will go to a testing center. And you can spend up to two, three years if they decide to try to develop you more or to study you. Uh, And you'll get paid very well, so it isn't like they they kidnap you or something like that. But there's no psychic in our community 
that professes to be a reader or whatever that hasn't been tested. And they've, they've already talked to the government, and they don't even know it. Hmm. So the the woman wow, will say, I've got a problem. And, you know, and, and she'll say, I've got a problem. My boyfriend just left me, and, and, and she'll be lying. Hmm. And uh, you don't know that, okay? Yeah. You're going to the, the, the poor psychic is going to walk away thinking they just gave the best reading in the world, and really they just failed the government test. That much I know because I've known psychics that work for the government, and the, and the government's employed them since, for sure, I know since the mid-60s in, in a big way. Uh, in NASA, uh, CIA, uh, if they find, you know, when you're watching a presidential meeting with a dignitary, if they can show the room, okay, you can probably pick out who the Secret Service people are. But there'll probably be one guy there that I'll bet no one can identify. Mm-hmm. They won't know. You know, he 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 won't he'll he'll blend in like wallpaper. And you'll you know, no one's gonna say, Who the hell is that? You know, you can tell the Secret Service they're kinda of stern and hard looking. That one guy there is a reader. Yeah. When the president's done with all that, that guy's gonna say that person was lying. And it, you know, the talents of the gifted are being used, and, and uh, we just don't know it. You know, right. and the, are, certainly it's not advertised. But I mean, what an advantage to go to a meeting and to be able to read the other side. Great you know, advantage. And the rush, yeah, the Russians were also doing it. They were doing the same damn thing. You know, so when the, when the Russian dignitaries would visit someplace to negotiate or to compromise, they brought someone gifted with them. So they knew if the other side was telling the truth or not. You know, it's too bad our Indians didn't do that when we came to this country. Right. We kind of well, really screwed over them. Poor, poor Indians. Well, um, now, where's your website that they can get all your all your information at? www.edwinbecker.com or www.truehaunting.com. Both of them are linked together, so you can really go from one to the other on different pages. And that's where all my webisodes are. So you can also go through the webisodes or on YouTube. They're also on YouTube. Uh, And then you can find the – go ahead. I answer all communications, so I I take great pride – a lot of times people will email me and, and they'll get an email back the same day and it'll be like, wow, I've written 55 authors and you're the only one that ever answered. I answer mm-hmm. them all, even if they're bad. Even if someone says, I didn't quite like that book because this or that or the other, I'm sorry. You know, I apologize. I, uh, you know, I would hope everybody would enjoy it. And if you didn't, I'll try harder next time, you know. Uh well, I I get mad. So when people uh, <laughs> say something, I get mad. I don't know. I answer them right away too. I think that's how I've been uh, able to stay on the air and fight because I fight with them, and uh, it makes me mad. I don't know. Maybe I have a temper. I used to have a very bad temper, but you know, life has kind of mellowed me out. But anyway, uh, I'm just reading so many reviews. Um, the bookends review was awesome. Edwin F. Becker is an author of. Uh, six. He's saying six gripping kills of horror. I know there might be more that 
includes True Haunting, which is featured in our bestsellers list and various other bestseller lists, including Amazon. If you're looking for a chilling tale, pick up any one of his titles. And then um, Katie Lynn Whitaker from eBook Examiner, True Haunting spits in the face of paranormal skeptic, skeptics while having a, a slow start and then a uh, slightest urge to disengage. And then it says you remain true to your tale of perplexing and devious haunting. Now, the deviousness is what scared me. I think there's even a horror movie out right now called Devious. You know what I mean? Because I could actually, when I was reading your book, read between the lines of what was really happening and how it insidiously takes over. It's it's very, it's very uh, I don't know, it's authentic, it's the real deal. And, uh, you know, and then Jonathan Bradmere of WGN Radio, this this home is the first time they televised an exorcism. This is the first time to me that's historical. It had to be like three channels at the time. <laughs> Amazing. I thought that was funny. Anyway, there was, there was about three channels at the time, and I remember watching it. I do. I yeah, remember Brand watching Meyer, it, and it was very era. Brandmeier is a guy that everybody runs from because he's uh, he's not Howard Stern, but he will roast you. And uh, that was a show that I went on that I was a little bit frightened, but we had fun. And uh, he turned out to be very kind and uh which surprised me because he's a jokester and a very entertaining man. Okay, and then uh, let's see. And then in, in your website, you do have answers to many questions because in your book, you know, there's many of us want to know what happened to your dogs, and they ask you if you sold your house, but we know you gave it away. And uh, they talk about your sister, and then. Uh, about who Dave was in the book. It's really Dan. Well, anyway, go to his website. You can get all the an- questions answered that you have. Yeah, and if I come up with new ones where they're kind of where people can be asking me the same thing, I'll put it out there. Yeah. Uh, to me, to me, the funniest one was Paranormal Witness, where I got, I mean, just a ton of emails where they said, "You and Marcia left without the baby because the last scene shows us driving oh, away." <laughs> And I got so many of them, it was like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, <laughs> no, we never left the baby at the house. Uh, well, you didn't leave that little baby behind. That baby also has babies now, so all is well. And uh, we only have a couple of minutes left. Uh, do you have any uh, last word, closing words you want to say? Yeah, thank you for inviting me on this historic anniversary show. I, uh, thank you. I'm honored. So I, and, and I love you. You know that. Uh, I so love I'll, you I'll too. give you my, I'll give you my baby, baby, baby. Uh, <laughs> 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 thank you. Uh, I appreciate thank it. You. And God bless. God bless you all, all in the audience. And uh, stay safe, yeah. all of you. Yes, there's just so many people in chat and on the air. We want to thank you so much for joining in on the joining in on the fun tonight. And uh Ed, you're amazing. Keep writing and we'll keep we're keeping you following and uh anytime you're welcome on here anytime, Ed. Well thank you. You're very welcome and have a good night and take care. You too. Okay, bye bye. So it's been an awesome show. I I mean, um, you know, Ed's the real deal, and uh, please go get his books. I found them all on Amazon, and he's gonna we're gonna send out as soon as possible all the books for all the winners, 
And uh, just remember, uh, just message me on Facebook so I know who you are. I have written down everybody's name. So you got to give me the right names because I know that nobody else did that. But anyway, and I just have a little uh, uh, short uh, message from Carl Jung. He says, where love rules, there, there is no will to power. Where power predominates, there is love lacking. The one is the shadow of the other. And I want to remember, like I always say, that may the true love live in your heart and you find true love. And the many blessings to everyone that listens to the show. It's been awesome three years, and I will continue. And God bless you all, and you've been amazing. So you can contact me, of course, on Facebook. The Paranormal Sacred is there. We put in our we put in uh, our for new guests every week. So we'll be back here next week, Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And you can also track me down on Facebook, of course. The Paranormal Sacred is a place where the unheard may be heard. And please recommend us to your family or friends. And again, God bless everybody. May your best dreams come true. And may true love live in your heart. Love you a bunch. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.